awful, which honestly, what else would you expect from something that Martin Brodeur did? Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New Jersey Devils. Again, we are joined by John Fisher from All About the Jersey. John, how are you doing? I am doing well as the weather in New Jersey is getting colder and darker. Um, however, from a hockey standpoint, it has not been a good time in Newark. Mm, this, may, this, this may sound a little familiar to you and the uh, brethren that you typically speak to on your website, uh, Broad Street Hockey. Uh, let, let's let's see if this sounds a little familiar to you, Kelly. The Devils have won exactly two games since uh, in their last 11. Oof. They have not won a single game since beating the Flyers on the 28th. That means they're on a four-game winless streak, which includes a recent shootout loss to one of the worst teams in hockey in Ottawa. Ah. It also includes an 8-4 drubbing in Winnipeg and a 5-2 game in Minnesota where the team looked entirely listless despite having a bag skate uh, the night prior. Now, I cannot confirm or deny whether or not a dog has visited the Prudential Center and has decided to take uh, a dump at center ice. However, it feels like that would be apropos given the recent run of play, even with that win over the Flyers in mind. Nobody's happy as a Devils fan right now, Kelly. Nobody's mm -hmm. happy. So you're saying the Flyers cursed the Devils. Actually, you said something very wise on our last conversation. Do you remember your first question? John, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember what I was doing an hour ago. Okay. Your question, first question <laughs> was, all right, John, they got Dougie Hamilton. They got Thomas Tatar. They got Jonathan Bernier. Dawson Mercer looks good. They're getting Jack Hughes back soon. Nico Heischer is good. Why doesn't this team win any more games? Mm, yes. And question. <laughs> yeah. And and I actually referenced that in my recent month in review, which is a long read because I don't do short things, by the way. Um, pointing out that a lot of the problems the team team is facing currently really started in November, even amid the month where the Devils beat the Flyers five to two. In fact, if you recall that game, Kelly, it was actually two two in the third period, meaning it could have gone either way at some point. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's kind of been so in a sense, the fans are increasingly frustrated with the run of play and they look at a team like the Flyers where they go, well, they fired their head coach because their team has been a disappointment. They've been below expectations. Risto Risto Linen's play killed another coach. OK, that's maybe what maybe a handful of people would say. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> but the point is, is that there's a little bit of jealousy. That, OK, the Flyers changed their coach. Vancouver infamously of course, Vancouver is also blowing their entire organization up right now. Uh, so it's a little different in Vancouver. But they're wondering, the Devils are also slumping. It's looking at nine seasons out of the last 10 where they've even made the playoffs. Why are we holding on to this guy that's clearly not getting the job done? A lot of frustration is happening amid this slump. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, that Flyers-Devils game was a bit of a turning point for the Flyers as well because despite – already being in the losing streak when that game happened. I think a lot of Flyers fans were looking at that game as the one where they could turn it around. And the fact that it was so close in heading into the third period and then just completely fell apart for the Flyers. I think that that game specifically is the one 
where fans started to lose their mind and everyone was like, okay, that's it. We got to, we got to do something here. And obviously the something was firing the coach. So. Yeah. Now Kelly, I do have to ask the question. How do you feel that Mike Yo or Mikey Yeo, I've never, never quite known how to pronounce that last name. Yo, I believe. Okay. How do you feel about him being the interim head coach? You know, I'm fine with it. Um, he has been the only member of the coaching staff. Well, the penalty kill this season has been pretty okay. Last year, it wasn't very good, but last year, nothing was good. Um, so his little part of the coaching world was the best part of it during this season. Um, so there's that. Also, it's my understanding that the players like him. Apparently, he communicates well with them. They like the way he runs practices. They get along with him, that kind of stuff. And I feel like when a team is floundering, it might be a good thing for them to be able to work with someone that they actually like. So that's fine. Um, I don't expect him to be some kind of transformative coach for the Flyers. I figure he will be, you know, just fine as he has been for his entire career. I don't know if he'll be able to turn the team around. I think if he doesn't, turn it around quickly there will be you know a search for a new head coach outside of the organization but for now it's fine and worst case scenario he does really well and the flyers look better so it is what it is Vino had to go though so fair that, enough that part is yeah okay so to that effect do you feel better about the philadelphia flyers going into tomorrow's game not entirely. Also, I like that you've turned this into a, a me interview. No one ever interviews me, so this is fun. Um, yeah, how does it feel to be in the spotlight for a change, Kelly? Does it feel good? Does it feel warming? A little bit. Now, now, okay, so let me, let me, so, so you're feeling a little bit better. Now, maybe it's not much better because if I'm not mistaken, in addition to the Devils not winning any games since the 28th, it appears the Flyers have not won any games since the 28th. Uh, since before that. Yeah, and, and they've looked absolutely terrible doing it. Yeah. Um, the only reason that I feel even a kernel of hope at this point is that last night's game, which they lost, um, they kind of looked a little bit better, a little bit less of a disaster. They right. scored five goals. They haven't scored more than two in what feels like forever. Um, so a little bit of progress there. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure that given how tight this division is um, that we've got enough runway left for the Flyers to be able to completely pull out of this, but right. you know. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you, Kelly. Oh, and this dear. is also bad news for the devil. So this, I'm not, you know, this is normally the part of the, where I start to glow about my, how my team is superior to your favorite team. <laughs> and I go, ha ha ha. And you go, Rrr. And, you know, you can't say anything bad about it because, you know, I'm right. However, this is bad news for the Devils, too. It's not that tight of a division anymore. It was like three weeks ago. But if you, you know, I do the division snapshot at All About the Jersey every Sunday at 11 a.m. And I do a week-to-week -week look at all eight teams of the, in the division. And last week was a rare case where everybody in the division, except for our hated rivals in New York and Washington, you know, all had losing weeks. Even Carolina had a skid. However... If you take a peek at the standings, even right now, as we're talking prior to the game 
on the eighth. Um, you know, the Flyers are sitting, you know, problem one is the fact that Detroit and Boston are very much wildcard contenders this year. Your mileage may vary if Detroit can keep up with the pace, but right now they're holding a wild card spot. So the Metro is not sending five teams at this point <laughs> to the playoffs. So the goal here is get to fourth place. Your eternal hated rivals, Pittsburgh, currently holds fourth place in the division with 29 points and 25 games played. Even with the games in hand, that's still well ahead of Philadelphia at 20 points and New Jersey at 23 points. And considering that Columbus is currently getting waxed as we're talking right now by Toronto, they're going to start to pull, you know, fall behind too. And the point I'm making here is that it's no longer this ultra competitive division where everybody's winning every week. And, you know, these interdivision games are the only difference maker. Um, your favorite team, my favorite team, and the Islanders have all hit massive slumps and are effectively establishing themselves at the bottom of the division. Columbus and Pittsburgh have been running hot and cold here and there. They're starting to warm hot a little bit, and we'll see if Columbus starts fading a little bit, but they're basically the strong middle of the division. And then you have the top, which is a legitimately good Washington team, a legitimately good Carolina team, and a New York Rangers team that is overperforming their Corsi and expected goals and most other metrics because Chris Kreider is hot, Igor Shosturkin is hot, and Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox are hot. And that's pretty much it. It's real annoying that New Jersey keeps lucking into goaltenders. It is very annoying. It is like very, they lost very Lundquist annoying. and then it was like, oh, well, here's a new one. He's Russian this time. Like, it's just very annoying. I also remember when Carter Hart was hyped up to be the next Shosturkin, but that may have been the Canadian media wish casting their uh, – their, their latest world junior hero, if I'm not no, mistaken. Carter, Carter Hart is quite good. Carter Hart's mm -hmm. reputation was tarnished, and rightly so, by his absolute disaster of a season last year in which yeah. he was horrible oh, in yeah. every sense of the word. Um, really? But this season, he's back to being good again. So, you know. Is he now? He is. He is. He is, yeah. And, and, and how did his last appearance go? Uh, well, bad, but, um, I know the answer to this question and I know what game it is and you don't want to talk about it because I'm looking at the score and you really don't want to talk about it. And I don't blame you for not wanting to talk about it. So here's the thing, <clears throat> you know, as well as I do that you can't, you can't always look at a box score mm -hmm. and see seven goals posted up by the other team. Oh, I know. And just assume that the goaltender shit the bed. He did. I, I, I understand. I'm very aware of the defense screwing it up and leaving the goalie out to dry. I'm very aware of this. For most of this season, Carter Hart has been stealing games for them. And okay. this that was the result of him playing at a reasonably good level rather than a lights-out level. He didn't steal anything for them on that night. And so... Yeah. It, it was bad. Um, okay. Well, I'm quickly looking at his statistics, and it appears that you are correct in that sense. He actually is, uh, if you look at his five-on-five -five numbers at Natural Stat Trick, shout out to Brad at Natural Stat Trick, the best stats website on the internet. Do not pay for stats on the internet, people. Pay for information that people are pulling for free from NHL.com. Don't get scammed in by two dudes in Minnesota. Anyway, now that I made myself an enemy of the analytics community, uh, Natural Stat Trick points out that Carter Hart is expected to give up 30.3 goals, and he's given up exactly 30. So, to your point, he's been good. He's not your problem. Nope, not this time. So what uh, has been the problem, Kelly? Literally everything else has been the problem. 
everything else. Let's talk about the Devils, though, for a minute, because that's why oh, people yeah. are listening to this. What yes. has been going so wrong for the Devils? Well, in so again, I'm not trying to you know pat pat myself on the back here and say, hey, everybody, go read a near seven thousand word uh, post about uh, why the team was you know how the team did in November. But I'll give you the highlights of what's been wrong with them. So over the course of the whole season, the power play has been absolutely tremendously terrible. In fact. Um, it was the source of one of Philadelphia's goals in the last meeting between the Devils and the Flyers. So I don't want to hear about how the Flyers' power play is worse because the Devils' power play was literally a minus one against the Flyers that night. Um, but that has continued to be incredibly poor and also very poor at creating chances. It's expected goals per 60 minutes in November alone was just a mere 4.43, second worst rate in the league. Um, you know, just just bad stuff. Um the bigger problem that emerged in November and what's been killing the Devils recently, like since the Philadelphia game, has been the fact that the Devils have been bleeding, keyword, bleeding offensive chances to the other team. Their, their Corsi against rate, their shots against rate, and their scoring chance against rate all ballooned from being mediocre to pretty good last month in October to being in the bottom 10. Like, you don't jump up from 52 to nearly 59 CA per 60 just because of one or two games that, you know, skew the data. It's mm -hmm. your defense is legitimately giving up a ton of stuff. And I, the, as the games went on, and this was even highlighted, my, my thought after the San Jose game, which was the game that came after the Philadelphia game, was that I think teams have figured out how to play against the Devils. The Devils love to overload on defense. They love to look for quick zone exits to get those rush opportunities to spring guys like Brad and Heischer. Now that Jack Hughes is back, he's another option. Johnson, Mercer, all those guys to, you know, basically help create those high danger chances in front because you're, they're generating odd man rushes and breakaways. However, if teams are able to keep up the pressure, um, beat the overload, similar to how a football team would want to beat a blitzing team, you can find those open opportunities for shots and increasingly goals. So despite the fact that the Devils actually got good goaltending in five on five last month, and despite the fact that the Devils were good shooters last month, they only outscored their opponents by two goals in five on five, due in part by just giving up so many damn chances, shots, and even shooting attempts over and over and over again. So the Devils offense has been humming along pretty well, but they're just bleeding in the back end. And it's not just a simple matter of Ty Smith is just struggling back there or Damon Severs in there, PK Subban had an off night or Ryan Graves had an off night. Like that's a team problem. And it really, and increasingly the other problems with the Devils have really started to germinate due to issues related to the coaching with respect from a preparation and motivation standpoint. Um, prior to the Philadelphia game, the Devils got their butts whipped in Nashville and they barely showed up for that game. After the Philadelphia game that they won, they had a good first period against San Jose. Then they completely filled their pants and effectively lost the game to San Jose all in the second period. They go to Nath, they go to Minnesota, and once again, big bag skate. The Devils website, uh, you know, made a big deal about it. It was a nice PR look to show, hey, you know, Ruff is getting the boys to skate hard. It's hard practice, Kelly. You know, we gotta we gotta show them we mean business, accountability, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Yeah, they go out there and they get their butts whipped in the first period and go down two nothing to Minnesota within the first twelve minutes, and they proceed to lose that game five to two. Against Winnipeg, they gave up three goals within the first seven minutes, made it a miraculous comeback against Connor Hellebuck of all people, Kelly, scoring four straight goals against them, 
And you would think, okay, the Devils scored four straight against Connor Hellebuck. They did so in his building. The Devils should do everything possible to tighten this game up and try to drag out this win and maybe luckily get another goal or two. No, they completely filled their pants and completely just got beaten everywhere in the neutral zone and in their own zone and ultimately lost that game eight to four, giving up five straight goals. And then in their most recent game against Ottawa, while they seemingly gave up, you know, they tightened up the number of attempts, they barely were able to get much going for themselves. And they had a, two awful giveaways in their own end that led to two of the goals against that ended up being in a 2-2 game that was ending up in a shootout loss. So the coaching has not prepared the players adequately enough. And even in response to some really bad performances, despite all the quotes from the media saying, we got to get this right, we got to figure out how our unorthodox defense is supposed to work. Pro tip, it's probably a bad thing it's unorthodox uh, because it's clearly not working, as I just said about November. And um, teams are picking up, picking on them, and uh, it's exposing them. Combine that with the fact that the team's depth and their usage is all out of whack for some inexplicable reason. Michael McLeod got more minutes at five on five ice time than Nico Heischer at times, or Jack Hughes, or Dawson Mercer, Well, which was close by the end of the game. But the point is, is that McLeod with zero goals for the season, you know, I understand he's a great faceoff taker like Claude Giroux. But as you're about to tell me, uh, Kelly, Claude Giroux is like about a million times better than Michael McLeod. And even I have to admit that. That's the guy you want to keep giving ice time to, not McLeod over here. But Lindy Ruff and his coaching staff feels otherwise. So you got depth that's not performing adequately (laughs) on top of the lack of a power play, and the lack and the increasingly exposed defense and off the puck play that the doubles are just struggling with. So if they're not getting the goals and not getting the breaks, that's how you lose a whole lot of games, Kelly. How? I mean, Lindy Ruff hasn't been the coach there for that long. No. How is it possible that he's lost the team already? Is he well, just, is he a bad coach? Well, obviously, well, his experience belies the fact that he knows what he's doing. But at the same time, that's ultimately the problem with uh, coaches in this game. How many times have you heard the phrase, you know, yeah, this guy's experienced in any business for that matter, not just hockey coaching, where so-and-so has, you know, decades of experience, but you find out that, yes, but they also fail to adapt to the times. And, you know, they go back to their old well of what they're used to doing when things don't go right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's odd because Lindy Ruff is seemingly done the opposite in the sense where his whole tenure, short tenure, as short as it, as it is, seems to be predicated on wanting to be aggressive. You know, they want to they want to rush up ice. They want to overload on defense to win pucks. Um, they want to um, forecheck. They want guys to skate fast, which logically you would think for a young, fast team like the Devils, that would fit them like a glove. And to a degree, it does. But when you play against teams that are more structured, also more experienced, like Washington, for example, they know how to pick up pick that apart. John Carlson ate the Devils' lunch in eight out of eight games last season against Lindy Ruff's Devils to the point where the defenseman stopped activating the four, the the rushes up ice stopped happening so much, and the overloading stopped. You know, was was held back a bit because they knew that the Capitals had the players to make them pay, and other teams basically followed that blueprint and those game, you know, Devils lost a lot of games. So I think a big part of the problem is the fact that the expectations for the Devils this season, like a lot of seasons in, in the past seasons where they start off well or pretty well, and then they start to sag in November. And then in the early December, it starts to really slump. 
And everybody's getting frustrated with it. And I got to think now that Nico Heischer signed to a long-term deal, Jack Hughes has been extended to a huge deal. Dougie Hamilton signed a $63 million contract. Other guys are up for big contract extensions and well-deserved ones in the case of Jesper Bratt. You know, they're starting to wonder, hey, guys, we got all this stuff going for us. To, to They're asking the same question you're probably asking, Kelly, which is, why aren't you guys winning more games if, if, if you're all so good? You yeah, know, where's, where's the results, man? Where's the beef? I feel like this was like the third off season in a row where at the end of the summer, everyone was declaring the devils kind of like the winners of the off season. Right. And again, nothing is happening, which for me, I'm totally fine with, but I'm sure it sucks for you. Um, and it's even suckier because Hamilton has been as good as advertised. Thomas Chatar is now scoring goals and his underlying numbers are wonderful. So he's doing his job. And Jonathan Bernier is the 1B goaltender he was expected to be. So it's not their fault. <laughs> it, are you looking at this Flyers game kind of in the way that we were looking at the last Devils game? Like, are you looking at this game as a chance for the Devils to be able to turn things around? I Not only am I looking at this game, Kelly, I was looking at... Um, as I was talking to Dan Rozelle on our podcast, Garden State of Hockey, which we post up at allaboutthejersey.com, uh, ahead of, we recorded on Sunday, and we looked at the next five games as being the most important stretch of games for the season. Because on paper, it's Ottawa, Ottawa at home, Philadelphia at home, Nashville at home. Uh, by the way, Nashville's a bad road team, apparently, or at least they're not a good road team. Then you're at the Islanders on Saturday, and then you're at Philadelphia on the 14th, which is next Tuesday. We were looking at those five games saying the Devils need to be successful in most of these games. They cannot just, you know, do what they did last night, which is where they put up a uh, dreadful performance um, and lose in a shootout, of course, because the Devils just don't win shootouts. That's been a thing since 2013. We've got the numbers to prove it. It's sad. It sucks. But, um, yeah, we're looking – I'm looking at this game as if the Devils don't win this game or if they win this in the ugliest fashion possible, like it's some sort of crazy – you know, one nothing, nine round shootout, bizarre win off of somebody's helmet or something. You know, I, I'm I'm sitting here going, I'm seeing the same season that I've seen for the last four since the Devils last made the playoffs, which is this team is just not gonna they're just not gonna play meaningful games in March or whatever the equivalent was last season. And that sucks because again, with all the signings that they made, they they drafted well. They obviously are developing players fairly well. You look at Dawson Mercer, you know, blowing up as quickly as he does. And, you know, all these things that are going in the devil's direction, it's like, hey, guys, other teams are literally almost done with their rebuilds, like the Rangers in Detroit. Like, why do we have to wait a decade? <laughs> you know, the fans are getting increasingly frustrated. And the that's that's the second worst feeling you could have as a fan, which is constant frustration and anger at your team. But that mean, but that leads to the worst feeling, which is total apathy, which means they stop going to games. They stop reading hockey blogs. They stop watching games. <laughs> It's, it's in everybody's best interest, Kelly, that the Devils win some damn games and look to be competitive again. So, yeah, I'm looking at tomorrow's game and the full game on the 14th as games that I really would want the Devils to win and win well. Likewise, I don't want them to just beat the Flyers as much as I, I would have loved that. And I'm sure you in your heart of hearts would also love that. Uh, but I also want them to get results against Nashville. I want them to get results at the Islanders. I want them to build a run here. I want them to go into that game against Las Vegas on the 16th of December feeling like, hey, maybe the Devils got a chance against a legitimate team instead of these um, four, you know, four playoff list teams here. I don't think Nashville's going to make the playoffs, by the way. There's your hot take out of the Central Division that I don't follow too closely, but, <laughs> you know, 
They've been struggling. They have been struggling. You know, the John Hines effect is uh, real. Um, but yeah, I really do think the Devils need to get, you know, these games are important. And I wish I could say they weren't, but when you crap the bed against San Jose, Minnesota, Winnipeg, and then you find out that that last game against the Flyers was your second win out of your last 11 games, guess what? These games now suddenly become very important just to stay relevant because if they keep slumping, you know, it gets nastier after that Philadelphia game on the 14th. They get Las Vegas. They get Pittsburgh twice in a row. Yes, they'll get a game against Montreal, but they end the year with with a game at St. Louis and a game versus the Connor McDavid's and Leon, and the Leon Dreisaitl experience on the New Year's Eve. Like, there's a lot of potential L's coming up for New Jersey, and that's bad for business. That's bad for the world. That's bad for the people who matter. God, that was intense. So heading into this game, um... What's going well for the Devils? Okay. Surprisingly, the penalty kill. The penalty kill has been, which started off absolutely terribly, which was a continuation of what they did last season. Um, they finally decided to make a change to how they were doing their penalty kill, which was a passive diamond. They finally went back to their bread and butter under Elaine Nazardine for so many seasons uh, with a wedge plus one, which is a much more aggressive, which again fits the uh, style that Ruff does in his other areas. And the Devils have been super good in terms of uh, killing penalties. So that has been an improvement. The other things that have been improved, or things that are going well, I should say, is the play of a handful of Devils, which uh, nicely flows into, you know, who to look out for for this game. Uh, the big one right now is obviously Jesper Bratt. He just keeps getting on the score sheet, Chip Kelly. It, it's it's just wonderful, you know. All the all the talk from old heads who follow the New Jersey Devils say, ah, you got to be big, you got to be tough to play this sport. Well, here's this guy who's not that big, not that heavy, not that strong. And he, what is he doing? He's just producing. He's just making things happen for a team that doesn't have enough guys making things happen. Um, Jesper Bratt has been just been wonderful at creating shots, finishing drills, setting up guys for for goals you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of 63 out there so that's been good andreas johnson even though his shooting percentage is still way it's still so high that i'm waiting for the inevitable drawback but it hasn't happened just yet and he continues to be a producer as well he is your leader in five on five scoring for the devils as of right now dougie hamilton you know maybe he had a quote-unquote quiet game against um against um ottawa yesterday but he continues to be the big minutes guy who just throws up a lot of shots and more importantly gets him on net which is good nico Heischer, even though some fans are unhappy that he's not the swiss switzerland's answer to austin matthews or Connor mcdavid he continues to be a five on five force he'll take all your contact he'll bounce back up he'll continue to make good things happen and as long as his wingers are not having crummy nights looking at you pavel zaka um good things will continue to happen and um, as I mentioned here, but didn't really make too much of a big deal about it, there's the big deal, Kelly. Jack Hughes is back on the ice. He was not there on the 28th. He made his return to the rink against San Jose. Um, he did score against Winnipeg, so he's got a goal under his belt. He picked up, I want to, did he pick up an assist yesterday? I'm quickly checking to make sure. He did not, but he continues to be one of the few bright spots in terms of guys who can handle the puck and try to create, you know, plays to happen. So he's getting back into form, and um, once the points start coming for him, 
it's going to be similar to what you've seen for many years with Giroux, uh, Voracek from the past, Coutier to a, to a degree, which is once the points start, the points are going to keep on coming and it's going to be a good time for everybody. So Jack Hughes is back and you're going to enjoy it tomorrow night. So I at guess around 7.08 p.m. at the at the Prudential Center. <laughs> I guess you're uh, you're OK with that big, big, giant contract. I am. Um, truth be told, it's not that huge of a deal. If you compare, if you see what else is on the market. Um, yeah, I know there were a number of takes uh, like former writer CJ Totoro, former All About the Jersey writer, current concern troll on Twitter saying, ah, well, he hasn't done enough to earn the, the extension yet. The big deal. And Dom Lushishin's model says, says the same. And I'm thinking they're both not really thinking very smart about reality. The reality is that Brady Kachuk, whom the devil saw plenty of last night, signed a stupid, and I do say stupid because the cap hits like 8.205714, so it's a stupid cap hit. But he signed a seven-year, $57.5 million contract back in October. And this is a guy who only topped 20 goals twice in his career, never topped 50 points. And he maybe could have if last season was a full 82-game season. But the point is, is that, you know, this is also a guy that, quote-unquote, hasn't proven the big money. But uh, Ottawa looked at his skill set. They looked at what he was doing so far. They bet on him progressing. And lo and behold, they're, they're currently being proven right as he has 18 points in 20 games. He's, you know, a force on the ice. He's a very good candidate to go to Beijing should there be a Beijing Olympics uh, with the NHL. But that's a side, side issue. Um, so that's a case of Ottawa betting on potential in a way and getting rewarded fairly quickly. And I think that's what the Devils are going to see out of Jack Hughes here. And again, I bring up Kachuk because if his cap hit is going to draw that much money, then a guy like Jack Hughes is also going to command, demand, and get $8 million um, on average. And that's exactly what he got. He got a $64 million deal over eight years. So the, the, again, you're betting on him, you know, outperforming that contract, similar to what the Devils, I'm sorry, Colorado did with Nathan McKinnon, similar to what uh, Pittsburgh did with Sidney Crosby and of Jenny Malkin. And, you know, as you've seen, you sit there in the future going, wow, these guys are incredible and they're only getting paid this much of a cap hit. And you wonder, how did that happen? And the answer is because they paid out early. They were willing to do the opposite of what you see at every, every summer, which is you pay a lot of money for what a guy did when he was younger. Instead, you're paying a young guy what he what you think he'll do when he's getting older. And I think it's the right bet because the Devils have effectively locked down Jack Hughes until he's about 29, almost 30 years old. You're going to get the best years of his career, and they're all going to be in New Jersey. And I think the skill set is legit, and the points will come. Um, get the team a proper coaching staff. Get the team's depth right. Fix your damn power play, and things will be good with Jack, with Nico, and others. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he keeps performing, then no harm paying him $8 million a season for eight years. Yeah. So... I mean, Take a look at Philadelphia, for example. I, I'm like, you know, you don't want to do what you did with Kevin Hayes. That's a bad contract. Well, that's, every, that's every UFA signing. Every yeah. UFA signing is a bad signing. Every right. one of them. Right. But you, the, the smarter play is what the, what Philadelphia did with Joel Farabee. You know, okay, it's not as expensive as $8 million per year, but they overpaid a little bit to knock him, lock him down for $5 million a year. He's definitely a $5 million player. Don't you agree? Yes. So there Maybe. you go. Same logic. 
Yeah. I just can't, I can't get fussed about overpaying UFAs. Like that's what you do. If you decide True. to fill a hole in free agency, you're going to pay too much. Them's the breaks. Your that team is, should have drafted better. That is very true. You were at, you were, I'm giving you a thumbs up that you can't see right now. <laughs> I appreciate it. I felt it in the air. Um, so this game, what do you think the final score is going to be? Well, the Devils legitimately had one of their best performances in November against Philadelphia. So I feel confident that the Devils will match up very well against them since I don't think the rosters are terribly different. Yes, the Devils will have Jack Hughes. I'm not sure off the top of my head if Philadelphia has anybody come back from injury recently. This is, uh, yes. Oh, Kevin Hayes. Okay, I stand corrected. Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes and his big contractor back. Okay, good for him. Anyway, there is an X factor here. The Devils are going to be debuting. They're absolutely awful, terrible, no good, original third jerseys tomorrow night. And historically, Kelly, when the Devils have worn a third jersey of some type, whether it's a retro jersey, a reverse retro jersey, the Devils typically stink outside of like a handful of games, like when the Devils destroyed Chicago on St. Patrick's Day many years ago and Patrick Eliash came out with a St. Patrick's helmet and, you know, a little hat and, you know, people loved it. You know, that was like one of the rare exceptions of the Devils not wearing their traditional normal uniforms and, you know, succeeding. So the X factor of aesthetics and jerseys and um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, superstition are not on the Devils' side, which is in Philadelphia's favor. That being said, I want the Devils to win and I'm very biased. So guess what? I think we're going to look at a 4-2 final. However, it's going to be similar to the last game where it's going to be 2-2 two two, like five minutes into the third period. And every mm. Devils fan who's very frustrated about the team and every Flyers fan who's very frustrated about the team are both feeling the, emo the you know, that little you know uneasiness in your stomach, in your bowels, in your, in your lungs, wherever you feel your uneasiness about how, come on, don't blow this game or come on. Don't don't throw away this opportunity to win the game. Like nobody, no one's. There's not going to be any general happiness out of this game. I, I feel like even if the Devils win this game four two with an empty netter, they're still going. The performance may not be good enough to satisfy people like myself or other fans who really want this team to finally break their slump. But I do think the Devils will take the game in spite of their awful, boring, terrible uniforms and their ongoing slump that saw them struggle to put up offense against one of the worst teams in hockey literally just yesterday. I did not realize that we were going to get to see the Jersey Jersey. You were going to see the Jersey Jersey. In action. That's very exciting. No, it's it, look, you looked at it. How is, what is exciting about it? It's literally it's, black with white stripes. It looks like, a, it looks like an attempt of a cartoon from the thirties. It's awful. Which, honestly, what else would you expect from something that Martin Brodeur did? He's a great goaltender. Yeah. No one ever said he's a jersey designer. Middling goaltender. Um, I what have... did you know about goaltenders, Philadelphia Flyers fan? Listen. <laughs> Do you, we want to go down this road? You put, a, you put that trap in front of literally any competent goaltender. Mm. And you let him see 15 shots a night. Because you're shutting down the entire ice with your clutchy, grabby nonsense. That under two would have many, many shutouts. Jan, John Van, Van Beesbrook is literally the evidence against this, but, you know. 
I said competent. He was very competent for the Flyers, if I'm not mistaken. The Flyers never played a, a New Jersey gross late 90s trap system. And how many cups did they win again? Listen, you can. I'm how, not how saying, did those playoff series go? Ineffective. It just destroyed the entire sport of hockey. Wah, wah, wah. No. Montreal played, started that system in the 70s, by the way. That's where Jacques Lemaire got it from. The NHL did pretty well with Montreal winning all the Cups in the 70s, by the way, except yeah. for a handful of exceptions. They missed a couple. Anyway, I have not picked the Flyers to win a game in what feels like many weeks. And this time I'm going back to my optimistic bullshit. And I'm going to say three to one Flyers. They're going to finally pull up out of this. And we're going to experience something bordering on happiness, maybe, for the first time in several months. That's what I'm going for. Three okay. to one. Well, as ever, Kelly, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> Don, thank you so much for doing this. No, find you on the internet. I'm sure they know by now, but tell them anyway. You should go to allaboutthejersey.com to read about the New Jersey Devils and join the people who matter, the Devils fans. And you can listen to me and Dan talk about the Devils around weekly. And we do link it up at All About the Jersey as well at our podcast, Garden State of Hockey. And that's all the things you really need to know. Nobody needs to know about my failing attempts to date or, you know, try to be witty on social media, which is basically just complaining about the Devils recently. So we're just going to leave that to the side. I mean, listen, being embarrassing on Twitter is how one lives life these days, in my opinion. But everyone go give John's website some clicks because I asked him to do this like 15 minutes ago and he accommodated me. So, John, I hope that you enjoy the game. I hope it's at least fun, given the state of both of our hockey teams. If it's at least fun, I'll consider that a victory. Okay. I, I will happily accept your moral victory from a flyer standpoint and a legitimate victory from the devil standpoint. Because that yeah. is what I find fun. We'll see. I'm okay. thinking I'm thinking this is the one. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong. Anyway, folks, enjoy the game. Go visit all about the jersey. John, thank you very much. Go Flyers. Go Devils. Thank you.